Good morning. It's like a maze to, to get up here, and then I've got to stand in the right spot, which is hard to see in the shadows, or I'm blocking things. All right, I think I'm in the right spot. Uh, yeah, so it's uh, been a while since we've had the blackboard, and so I'm looking forward to using that today. And a um, couple things uh, with the video just now with these partnerships. So part of our BLESS campaign last fall was to raise funds for some uh, projects around here that, that uh, makes for us being a better neighbor, reaching our neighbors for Christ, a more welcoming environment, retooling some areas. Uh, but also part of it goes towards various impact projects. So as we get more money in, like, uh, 5% of everything goes to some of these projects, so you're going to be getting lots of updates. It's also an opportunity to remind you that if you weren't able to participate last fall and you call Five Oaks your home, that you can still do that. You can go to our website, pretty easy to do that um, at our website. Just go to the Give section and you can see where you can do it because we're not fully funded for the Best Blessed Campaign. We, we got a lot of funding. It's, it's exciting what we're going to be able to do, but there is still more to do. So it's a great opportunity for you if you weren't able to. Um, before, even if it's a, you know, a, a gift, like in one, one time or something that you're going to give on a regular basis uh, to it. The other thing on serving, uh, I, I just thought of something uh, a little bit ago. Uh, a while ago, I, was, I wrote a blog post on my desire that we get more electric guitar players to step up so that we can have electric guitar every week in our worship service. And uh, Freddie, who's playing this weekend, when I wrote that post just a few, two or three months ago, uh, read it, and he contacted Tom, and he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to working on my electric guitar playing. And here he is. I think it's his first time playing electric guitar on a, on a weekend. So uh, we can still use more electric guitar players, yes, <laughs> uh, as well as people working in the children's area and, and with our students and, and all of that. So it's, uh, it's, it's always exciting to be part of a a team doing those things. All right, get your Bibles out if you would and turn to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. And uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, uh, if you're here, those of you who are in person, you can grab a Bible from the seat rack in front of you and follow along um, or get your phone out and follow along on, on one of the phone apps. So we're in a second week of a series on Romans 1 through 4, and we're going to work our way through Romans eventually over the next year or so. We're going to do four different series. We will probably interrupt those series with other things, but Romans is really a, a book that is in four sections, and they all intertwine. We talked about that last week. We did kind of an introduction to how to read uh, a letter like Romans and specifically how to read the, Paul's letter to the Romans. And this one is really focused on the gospel journey back to God because that is what Romans 1 through 4 is about. It's about our gospel journey back to God. And today, we're going to map the gospel journey, and thus this a little bit. And so we're going we're gonna to give you a map because Paul introduces, as you know, we talked last week about this letter being this theological, philosophical, literary masterpiece. And part of that is that Paul has introduced his major theme right in the first 17 verses, and he drives into it, and he's going to expand on it. 
uh, throughout the rest of the letter. So today is like a preview to this gospel journey. And so we'll, we'll look at that in just a few moments. Before we do, we need to pray in this prayer. It's a prayer, as we do every week, asking God to illuminate the Scripture to us and interceding for various things in, in our world. And this prayer is, is based on Hebrews chapter 12. So please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, our faith depends on you from start to finish. Thank you for your word, which you have given for us. Illuminate your truth by your Holy Spirit. Help us to listen, help us to understand, help us to keep our eyes fixed on you. Set our minds, set our minds, Lord, on things above. Place our feet on the path you have for us and lead us to follow you. Father, we bring um, a couple of things to you today. I want to bring um, these uh, recent uh, mass uh, shootings that have been happening. Father, I pray uh, that... I pray for the families who have been affected, the people who have been affected by this. I pray for, for healing for those who need healing. I pray for you to walk through the families who are experiencing grief. And I pray, Father, I thank you for uh, each time that law enforcement um, or family members or others intervene in such a way that more of these don't happen, and we do pray for that day when these will cease. And in the meantime, Father, I pray that we do everything possible and you give wisdom to all of us as a nation to, to know how to prevent these um, in the future as, as much as we possibly can. Father, we also pray for the trial for the killing of George Floyd. We continue to lift up that whole process to you and whatever the aftermath is to you as well. We pray that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Let's hear the scripture read by uh, one of our five ochres. Romans 1, 1 through 4, and Romans 1, 16 and 17. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets and the holy scriptures regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David, and who the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. And now, verses 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to the last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. All right. Okay, before we jump in, I uh, just want to tell you about uh, my Facebook group that I'm going to be starting tomorrow. It is a book club, and it is asynchronous, meaning... We don't meet at a particular time. Tomorrow I will post, okay, chapter one is open for discussion. And the chapters are fairly short. It's a fairly short book. It's not very big, uh, but we'll be doing this. We'll be taking a chapter on Mondays and then another chapter on Fridays and Mondays and Fridays until we get through the book. I think it's about eight chapters long. It's called Compassion and Conviction. And the whole idea behind this, uh, Journeyman is working through this as well, through this book. Uh, the whole idea behind this and why we're having this right now is with all the political polarization, 
uh, there's just some basics that we need to, to return to and uh, how to bring a Christian worldview into our civic engagement as well as how to steward our, um, our influence in all arenas of life. And so while the book kind of looks a little bit at civic engagement like in politics, uh, how to be a Christian in politics, it applies broader than that. It applies to uh, all of our uh, engagements in the public square as well as in, in private, uh, private spheres of our lives. So invite you to join me. If you go to henry-williams.net, it'll show you how to, how to join that group. Like I said, it launches tomorrow. All right, so the series on, how to, uh, on the gospel journey back to God, we're doing this series because uh, all of us in one way or another at some time find ourselves very far away from God, and we also find ourselves trying to find all kinds of ways of getting back to God. And so the gospel, uh, in the gospel that Jesus brought to us, the gospel that Paul talks about in this letter, the gospel shows us a journey back to God. It's more than that. I'll talk about that in just a few moments, but it is the way it shows us the journey back to God. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to... Um, we're going to be looking at how it takes us, the journeys that we take, and how the gospel takes us back to God. Now, here's an interesting thing, and don't put the slide up yet. Let's wait on this slide. Uh, the gospel journey for everyone is going to be completely different. I've got five representations up here, and I'll kind of explain them in just a moment. The, the lines are all squiggly in all different kinds of ways, and so the gospel journey is going to look different for everyone. And yet, at the end of the message, I want to show you how the gospel journey, at the same time, is identical for everyone. Different, different path, but identical for everyone. So you can hold on a little bit for that. But what are some of the ways, um, here I, I have represented some of the ways that we, we try to find our way back to God when we find ourselves away from God, or find meaning in our life uh, in a way that God would look at us and go, yes, you know, you know, well done, good and faithful servant. And there's all kinds of ways of doing that. And one of the ways that we do that, and there could be a combination of any of these, and for some, some people, maybe all five, uh, you'll find yourself in all five of these. But one of them is what we'll just call um, kind of the moral uh, or... Um, what was the other word I wanted to use here? Or just kind of being a good person if moral doesn't carry that meaning for you. So some people try to find their way to God by, by if I can just be a good person, if, if mostly I am a good person instead of I know I don't do some things right and I, I know I've messed up in a lot of ways, and so my life is filled with all kinds of ups and downs and I get off the... Off the, you know, if there is a you know, straight moral line there, I'm not on that line, I mess up, but I hope that in the end, God will look at my life and go, you were a good person. All right, so that's one of the ways that we try to find our way back to God. Uh, another one is through religion. And we might also call it kind of religious questing. And so religion is, I... I follow the tenets of a religion. I try to do what 
the Bible says. I try to do what my religion says. It may not be Christianity. It might be another religion. I try to do those things as best I can. Again, if there is a straight line, I'm not on it. I'm, I mess up. But eventually, through my religion or through a quest of trying all kinds of religions and men maybe meshing those religions, I'll take what's best from them and hopefully in the end, God and I will connect. God will be happy with me. Uh, another approach is justice or compassion. It would be another way of putting it. And so this quest is to seek in life that I'm going to connect with God and God is going to be pleased with me because I see injustices in the world and I go after those injustices or I see need in the world, I see hunger and poverty and all of that and I get involved in a compassionate way and hopefully, again, you know, so many times I'm selfish, I don't always live it out in my life but hopefully there'll be enough justice and compassion in my life that I'm going to connect with God. God is going to be happy with me. Uh, another approach is to be a patriot. Or uh, another way to put it is politics. Those aren't always the same. But a patriot is if I can be a good American. America uh, is an exceptional nation in, in my mind. And, and so if I can be a good patriot and serve my country well, uh, even maybe sacrifice my life for my country, support those who have served our country in that way. And so I want to be a really great patriot. Or politics. I'm going to get very involved in politics, whether to the left or the right or the center, wherever it might be, I'm going to get very involved in politics because that's one of the ways to, to bring order to our world and goodness to our world, and hopefully I'll connect with God in that way. And then finally, a last way, and there's, there, there could be others, is through self and actualization. Big word. But basically, um, you know, I need to be true to me. I'm going to go through life. I, I may buy into many of these approaches, but uh, the self is I need to be true to me. I need to be true to myself. I need to be me. I need other people supporting me who I am, who I see myself, my identity to be, and I want to actualize what that self, what that identity is. And so um, it's going to be done in all kinds of ways, but, but these are all approaches. Again, do I always do me? No, sometimes I cave to other people's expectations of me and so on, but, but let's, uh, in the end, find God that way. Okay, so these are some of the ways that we try to find our way back to God. But I'm going to say it again. These journeys back to God, they're going to be different for everyone to maybe find God in the midst of that. God, uh, I, Romans is going to teach us a different way, in a sense, that is going to, in, in many ways, encompass much of this. It's going to show us a different way, but you might say this journey is necessary to eventually, hopefully, find God. But the journey back to God is identical for everyone. Put it up now. It's identical for everyone. And I'll explain that in just a moment. The key to understanding this is understanding the gospel. And the gospel is the main subject of Romans 1 through 4. So in mapping the gospel journey, we're going to answer two questions. 
The first question is, what is the gospel? And the second one is, what is the journey? All right, pretty simple. Uh, but gospel, we're going to spend the vast majority of our time talking about the gospel. And so, uh, what is the gospel? Paul talks about the gospel um, being his main theme in verses 2 through 4 of chapter 1, and then verses 16 and 17. And so, here's, here's what happens. Paul introduces his letter, we talked last week about it is using the, uh, the, the what's the word I, I'm, I'm looking for? Um, it's writing a letter in the same way, template, the template for a letter in ancient times. And so it always starts with the prescript. We don't have, we have a part of the prescript, but we don't do letters like this. So in a prescript in Paul's day, you always start out with who you are and then who you're writing to. This is the longest prescript, as I mentioned last week, of any letter that has survived in ancient times, of thousands of letters. This letter is the longest prescript. And the reason is because Paul begins to riff on the gospel in the midst of his prescript. So it says, Paul, verse 1, a servant of Christ Jesus called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. Now in verses 2, 3, and 4, he is going to talk about what that gospel is and then expand a little bit more in verses 5 and 6. But 2, 3, and 4, he just stops and he starts talking about the gospel. Then in verse 7, he returns to the prescript, well, I'm writing to you, uh, Christians in Rome. Verses 8 through 15, he does stuff that all of us do in letters. He says, hey, you know, I'm hoping to come and see you, and I tried to come and see you, and I wasn't able to, but now finally I, I am, and I can't wait to preach the gospel to you, all right? And when he says, I can't wait to preach the gospel to you, there he goes again. He, in, he goes back to that theme, and then beginning in verse 18, all the way through the end of the book, the letter, it's all about the gospel, all right? And so, and especially in verses, in chapters one through four, it's about that journey back to God, part of the gospel. All right, so um, that's where we are. That's kind of the overview of this chapter. So we're going to do three things under gospel. We're going to define what the word gospel means because it's, it comes from a different language and it has a different meaning than, well, not a completely different meaning, but we have to have an understanding of how they would have heard it in their day. And then we're going to talk about the content of the gospel. What is actually the gospel? <laughs> and then we're going to talk about the effect of the gospel. All right, so that's where we're going. And we begin with gospel defined. So gospel, the word gospel in Paul's day and before Paul's day, in Paul's day, was not a religious word. All right, it was a word that simply meant good news. But more than that, it also had a technical sense. This is how language works. You got a word, and all of a sudden, let's say the tech world takes an everyday word and turns it into a technical term that now refers to something within the tech world. All right? Um, this happens in politics. It happens in every sphere. So the word gospel meant, in everyday language, good news, but it also had a technical sense. It didn't mean, in particular, good news. It simply meant news. It was an announcement that was being made. So here's, here's an example of what I'm talking about. Uh, some people back in Paul's day, uh, a person might walk up to their friend and say, gospel, she's a girl, and she's healthy. All right? So we sing, good news. We just had a girl, 
and she's healthy, all right? So it could be used in that everyday sense. But someone could equally come up to a friend, a Jewish man could come up to another Jewish friend and say, did you hear the gospel today? The Romans quelled a revolutionary movement among our brothers and sisters, and my brother was crucified because of it. Is that good news for that person? No. He's using it in that context in a technical sense, and that's exactly how they would have used it. It was an announcement. The Romans would have these announcements, these gospels that they would announce. They would come into a city, a herald would come in and announce, we want a great battle. Uh, the emperor, the, the, the next emperor has been born. Um, all kinds of things like that. It was news. It was an announcement. Okay, so the term gospel, we can have the next slide. The term gospel was adopted by the early church as a term referring to the core teaching of Christianity and the teaching of Jesus. All right, so Christianity grabs this term from the general culture. Why? Because Jesus did. And Jesus did because the Old Testament had been translated into Greek from Hebrew, and it had grabbed the word gospel already to speak of some of God's announcements, all right? But he comes with a very particular gospel. So, um, let's see Mark 1, 4, so 14. So this is in part of just kind of launching Jesus' ministry in the gospel of Mark. It says, after John the Baptist was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, it's a northern region of Israel, proclaiming the gospel of God. Now, the NIV has the good news of God. I don't think that's the best translation personally because it gets away from, yes, it is good news, yes, but this is gospel. This is an announcement. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the gospel. All right, so Jesus is already taking his whole teaching and summarizing it with the word gospel. He's summarizing the whole teaching and the gospel writer, because the gospel can also stand for four books in the Bible, which are the story, stories of Jesus. So the, the author grabs that from what Jesus is preaching and can describe what Jesus preached. What did he preach? What did Jesus preach? He preached the gospel of God, all right? So that's what the gospel means, defined. It's an announcement, or in everyday language, it can mean good news. Now, what's the content of the gospel? There's one word, one word that captures the content of the gospel. It's not enough to use the one word, but there is one word that captures the content of the gospel. The gospel is about Jesus. That's the one word. All right. Drop the comma. Sorry, I'm a bit of a grammar Nazi. Uh, I made a mistake there. I cut something out and forgot to get the comma out. The gospel is about Jesus. So let me, let me show you how that is so in Romans 1. Uh, and I'll do it. I think I, I have it up here. Yeah. So Paul is introducing himself, and he says he's an apostle of Jesus Christ, and he has been set apart for the gospel of God. Now he's going to tell us what the gospel is about. I can't tell you how important this is, <laughs> understanding what the gospel is about. You think you know what the gospel is about. It's more. All right? 
Although I think you know it already, but I think if I asked you right now, what is the gospel? You'd shrink it. It's bigger than that. It's bigger than what you'd shrink it to, all right? But you know this. What's the gospel? The gospel, the announcement. He promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures about what? Regarding his son, who in his earthly life was a descendant of David and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God. I'll kind of talk about this next week actually on Easter, what that means. But was appointed the son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ our Lord. Here's the flow of thought. The gospel of God regarding his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's why it's one word that can answer what is the content of the gospel. But it's more because it's not just the word Jesus. And it doesn't just point to the historical person, Jesus. It's a whole story around Jesus, his, why he came and everything. So, what are some of the important things that were announced when the gospel about Jesus? What are some of the important things? There's, there's five uh, that you can pull out of this passage. And the first one is that he is the fulfillment of God's promises through Scripture. And so, this, this is huge. This is when we do the story of God course um, that many of you have been through and a bunch of you are going to be going through here really soon. We, we talk about this big story that's all about Jesus. Jesus said, this whole story of the Bible is all about me. It's always pointing to me. And so the whole story, it's the gospel about Jesus is the whole story. This is really, and there's in 1 Corinthians 15, where uh, the apostle Paul talks about the gospel. He says, according to the scripture, according to the scripture, it's the whole story, all right? The Old Testament is about the gospel, all right? So, it's the fulfillment of God's promises through the Scripture. A couple more things on the screen here. Uh, it's about Jesus, who is a descendant of King David, who will rule forever. In the story of God, we really drill down on that because that's an important promise of God to David. He is the divine Son of God. He's not just a Son of God. He is the divine Son of God. I think I have a couple more here. He is the one who rose from the dead, all right, what we're celebrating next week, Easter. He is Lord in Christ. That is packed. Lord in Christ. Christ means Messiah, which means anointed king. He is the king. So Jesus comes talking about the gospel of God, and if you take all that Jesus says and you bring it down to one phrase, it is the kingdom of God or the rule of God. The apostle Paul is talking about the same thing that Jesus taught, taught about because he's talking about King Jesus. This is no exaggeration. He is talking about Jesus who is king. Really important to understand about the gospel. So the gospel is a special announcement about Jesus, the one that the scriptures spoke about, the one who is the eternal Messiah, King, Lord, and Son of God who rose from the dead. That's the central pronouncement of Christianity. It's at its core. It's an announcement about Jesus. What's the effect of the gospel? Okay, so what effect does it have? Well, um, Paul speaks of it in his thesis statement in verses 16 and 17 when he returns to this gospel about Jesus who is the fulfillment of everything, all right? So look again at verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. This, that statement comes out of what he said before, but we're not going to focus on that. 
what we're going to focus on is this. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because here's the effect. It is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. That's really important when you understand why we've, you know, Paul is writing this letter, which I forgot to play that video. Uh, just remembered. <laughs> oh, well, I probably am going to go long. So uh, the video kind of reviews what happened, what we talked about last week. Uh, Apostle Paul is talking to this congregation who is now divided among itself because the Jews are being expelled. They've come back five years later, and now they're at odds. And Paul is reestablishing the gospel, and he's going to make the point constantly, hey, Gentiles who now are the majority, it is to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. He's going to drive that point home over and over again and trying to bring them together. Okay, 17, for the gospel, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. All right, that's, that's the theme. So the announcement, this message that Paul elsewhere um, tells us, this is the, 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 the center of the gospel. The gospel, the message about Jesus, has power to bring salvation. That's its effect. It's not all of its effect. That is what Paul is going to drill down in this letter on its power to bring salvation. We have a tendency to shrink the gospel down to the message of salvation. And a lot of people take take their lead from this passage. Well, what is the effect of the gospel? It's salvation, right? It's not the only effect. It is the effect that he is drilling down in this letter. All right? I'll show you why that's important in just a moment. But we shrink and down justice so we might say, hey, preach the gospel, we mean. Tell someone how to get to heaven. It's more than that. The gospel is more than that. We just saw it, that it's more than that. It's this huge story that has at the end a new creation. That's, it's the whole story, all right? So, so um, we have a tendency to shrink it down, and then we take salvation, and we shrink it down to going to heaven, or you can have a personal relationship with Jesus. It's more than that. We saw this in our theology series that we just finished, right? You remember that? If you were here that week, it's like jaw-dropping, all the things the Bible says about salvation. Jaw-dropping, because so much more than how to go to heaven or how to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Now, I want to talk about salvation, and I want to go back to gospel for a second. But salvation is about going to heaven. It is. It's about going to heaven, and it is about having a personal relationship with Jesus. It's really important to understand that. But it's also important to understand it's so much more. For one thing, we don't stay in heaven for eternity. You know the rest of the story, if you've been around here a while right? The rest of the story is, yeah, we die, we go to heaven. We're with Jesus. But a day is coming when Jesus is going to return, there's going to be a judgment. And then, when the world is made right, the heavens are going to be renewed. The heavens are going to be renewed. The earth is going to be renewed. And heaven is coming down to earth. That's the picture. Now, what that's going to actually look like, I don't know, but that's the picture. Heaven is going to come down to earth, and heaven will be a place on earth with renewed, resurrected bodies, 
It's a different story than most of it. We shrink it down. You're going to go to heaven. You're going to be, you know. And that picture is not a very appealing picture for most people. But the whole idea of a whole new heaven and a new earth where you have purpose and you have things you're going to do and it's physical, that's, that's a grander vision. All right, so we don't stay in heaven for eternity. Salvation in the Bible is not about just going to heaven. It's actually the term is used, you're being saved from something. You're being saved from the wrath of God against evil. That's a, that's a bigger, more profound meaning than I just get my sins forgiven and I'm salvation. I, I'm like transported when I die to heaven. No, you are saved from the wrath of God, His judgment against evil. Here's another thing. Salvation is not only about a restored relationship with God, which is the doctrine of reconciliation. This is what we saw a few weeks ago. It's also about redemption, atonement, regeneration, the restoration of the entire creation, adoption into God's family, union with Christ, sanctification is part of salvation, glorification, all part of salvation in the Scriptures. So it's not, again, not just about going to heaven and being reconciled to God, having a relationship with Him. It's bigger. And therefore, salvation is about this. We're made righteous. We're made righteous and we're put in right standing with God. That's the doctrine of justification. We are made righteous and put in right standing with God. Verse 17. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is is revealed a righteousness that is by faith. So it's going to be something that I am going to receive from God. So what is righteousness? What does it mean? Well, in the word righteousness, it's actually the same word as justice. All right, so mixed into that word, well, oftentimes, sometimes it'll just mean justice and some, you'll see this in chapter three, how God is righteous in the sense that he is just. He's fair. He's right. He does the right thing with regard to sin. He's fair. He's right. He's, he, he, he brings justice. Uh, but it also has a moral aspect. So if I can have the next, I know I skipped a section, but if we can go get, get away from this, please go to the next slide. I'll come back to this one. God's righteousness is about his right moral character manifested, shown, in his holiness and justice. That's what righteousness is about. But that righteousness is amazingly transferred to us. Let's go back to that, that slide right before. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's part of union with Christ in salvation. We become the righteousness of God. All right. Secondly, talked about salvation. Let's talk about gospel again. Come back to that subject for a moment. The gospel is the message, or the, the gospel is the message that we can be saved in all dimensions of salvation, but it's so much more. The gospel of God is that Jesus is the Messiah King, Lord, risen Son of God, and the culmination of the biblical story, reclaiming humanity and His creation. That is the gospel. We saw it. Don't forget it. 
I mean, if you ever forget, you say, oh, yeah, I know it's more than just the message of how I can go to heaven or more than the message of how I can be made right with God and be in a relationship with him. It's more than that. What is it? Go back to verses 2 through 4, Romans 1, 2 through 4. It's all there. That message is the power. That message is the power to bring salvation. It's a bigger message. It has this application. It brings salvation. It has the power to save us. So when we refer to the gospel journey in this series in the coming weeks, just remember when I'm saying gospel, I am talking about one of the aspects of the gospel, which is we can be made right with God. But don't forget the grander vision. Don't forget the grander vision of the gospel, the grander gospel. Don't shrink it down to something personal for me. It is personal for you. But don't make it just about you and your friends. It's bigger than this. It's a, mess, it's a cosmic message that applies to the entire creation, everything, the entire universe, including heaven. Things aren't completely right in heaven. In the heavens, right? There are demons. There is a Satan. All right? All that needs to be taken care of because it is wreaking havoc on our lives and on our world. It's a big subject. It touches all spheres of life. It touches all spheres of life. It's about what Jesus prayed in the, in the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what he's talking about. That's what Paul is talking about. When people say, hey, the church, you shouldn't be having a, a group on how to act as a Christian in politics. Just preach the gospel. What? The gospel touches everything. That's how that book, that book isn't going to tell you who to vote for. It's not going to tell you what policies, for example. We don't. We have a stated position that we do not speak about policies. We don't talk about parties. We don't talk uh, uh, about any of those things. But we speak to the issues and we speak about being Christians going into the world. And this applies to your home life. It applies to all of these. It applies to justice and compassion, but patriotism and politics. It applies to the self and actualizing what God made you to be. It applies to our moral life, trying to be a good person. It applies to our religious life, living within Christianity and following Christianity. It applies to all of life. When people say, stop talking about those things, just preach the gospel, they've shrunk it down to what? Tell people how to get into heaven. You see how it's so much more. Go back to verses 2 through 4. Don't fall into that error of shrinking down the gospel. It speaks to salvation. It's not just about salvation. It's the whole story of God. I hope that's clear. I hope that's clear. The journey. What is the journey? This is a quick, quick point. Paul is going to go into great detail on this journey that I'm about to describe in chapters 3 and 4. The end of chapter 3, great detail. Chapter 4 is an expansion of the journey. But 
see what's in this passage. I want, you to, I want you to pay attention to what it says. I want you to see one of the repetitions that keeps coming. I'll point it out. Verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation. To whom? To everyone who does what? Believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith. Same word, by the way. In English, we change the word according to how it's being used grammatically. Same word in the original language. Faith, belief, same word. From first to last. (laughs) How do we get righteousness of God? How does it get transferred? Faith from first to last. Now we start there. And then we take over faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Is, has he emphasized it enough? <laughs> faith, belief, faith, faith. That's the journey. Here's my point in this. We think in these journeys, God is somewhere out there and we've got to go through this whole journey and we think it's a straight line, and if I would follow that straight line, and we combine all these things, we follow that straight line, we can get there, but we're not quite that good. So, you know, we have setbacks, and we have all kinds of things on getting there. But remember I said, it's going to look different for all of us, finding God. But for all of us, it's also identical. Because for all of us, wherever we are, in these squiggly lines, we are one step away from finding our way back to God. One step. At any point, one step. And that step is faith. That step is putting our faith in Jesus Christ alone. And Paul is going to drive home. Jesus Christ alone. Faith alone. Not faith and any of these things. These things, many of them will flow out of our faith but it's faith from first to last. I'm going to stop there and just ask a question. The gospel is an announcement. It's not good advice. It's not a uh, kind of like a, it has a way of life contained in it, but it's not like do this. It is an announcement. God has made things right, and you receive what God has done through Christ by faith. Have you put your faith in Christ? Or are you still? Now, maybe you need to do all that. But the point isn't ultimately God, actually. Wherever you end up finding God is at the point where you finally find faith. Make a decision to follow Him, to trust Him, and Him alone for your salvation. So we celebrate that every single week here with communion. We talk about the scripture, we listen, and then we respond. And one of the ways that we respond is we remember this incredible, incredible story. The whole story. I mean, even just this communion has so much of a story behind it because it's more than the story of the Lord's Supper. It's a thousand years of the Jews doing the Lord's Supper but not understanding who it was pointing to all along. Jesus is taking the Passover meal and he takes the bread. He says, this bread of the Passover that you've been celebrating, this is my body broken for you. It's part of the gospel. Eat it, remembering me. He takes the cup and he says, this cup is for a new covenant. 
in my blood. It's for the remission of your sins. Let's drink together. Let's pray. Father, I pray for anyone here today who needs to put their faith in you. I pray, Father, that they would... I pray you help them in their journey of faith, their journey of coming to faith. I pray, Father, for all the various good distractions that we oftentimes find along the way of that journey. I pray that, I pray that you would help them see that many of those distractions are actually outworkings, need to be outworkings of what it looks like to be in a relationship with you. Father, help us all to live in the gospel. We need it today, just like we needed it the first day we received it by faith. Help us to live in that and help us to live for your sake and help us to be the community that you've called us to be and the believers that you've called us to be. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.